Well, the sports editor is really grateful to chat to Graham Vepino from SACS, who's the head of rugby, and talk about school sports. So it's really good to have you on the show, Graham. Thanks for your time. But, but Graham, first up, how are you? And for listeners to how long you've actually been the head of rugby at, at SACS for now? Um, I'm fine, thanks. And thanks for having me on. Um, I've been head of rugby, and it's only my second year, which is a, a I suppose, and they've both been dead years, to put it that way, um, in fact, that we've had really new rugby. But, I mean, I've been um, involved in rugby at SACS for 16 years sure. um, in various capacities, um, maybe not formally title head of rugby, but, you know, I think there are a couple of us who've looked after rugby um, over that period. And um, so I've been heavily involved for about 16 years. I've only formally had the title head of rugby uh, for the last two years, but ironically, I've been head of sport for longer than that. So I've got sort of two titles. And um, But yeah, two yeah. years of this post, but basically been in the system for a long time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So basically, you, you're a busy man to say the least. We'll just we'll just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Graham, you know, just like you were saying earlier, it it must have been a bit of a frustrating thing for you because as things are going, it's been all shut down. Um, but you guys played a couple of games, and how did you feel about those results, specifically from a first team point of view? Yeah, I think um, reasonably happy. I mean, we lost both games fairly narrowly, but. Um, both games that we felt we could possibly have won. Um, we had, you know, it was one of those years where I think we, we said to ourselves, if we were at full strength, we'd be competitive uh, in the league. But unfortunately, picked up a couple of uh, injuries early season and went into both of those games, minus a number of players and some of them quite key players. So to be as competitive as we were, was actually we were actually fairly happy with the outcomes. Obviously, you're never going to a game hoping to lose. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, in both games, we were in the game right until the end and, and could possibly have won it. And uh, given, um, as I say, the number of players we had out and important players, we were reasonably happy with our performances, yeah. Oh, good, man, good. But, you know, it, it's such an interesting one and a, a tricky situation, but... If there's one thing you could sort of focus on to make sure rugby stays strong, it's at sex. What could that be, Graham? Um, I think we've always prided ourselves on sort of capacitating our coaches and getting the best out of our coaches. Right. Um, which is something we, you know, we still try and do and upskill our coaches and get our, our coaching group working together really closely. Um, but I suppose at the end of the day, I mean, the bottom line, I suppose, with any sport, any team is you know you you can have the best coaches but also you've got to have players I suppose. so yeah and i suppose one of the key components is making sure that you've got the, the the talent in the school to to coach you know how you go about that that's a, another question altogether um you know i think all the schools are trying to um get as the best players as they can onto mm. the field um but there are various ways of going about some above board, some not above board. Obviously, we try and um, do the best we can, but you know, you know, with the parameters we have as well. Obviously, there's schools like ours. Academics comes first, so you've got to, you know, make sure kids are going to cope academically. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we're trying to, as I said, give the best rugby 
um, opportunity to to our boys. Um, but they've got to obviously perform academically first and foremost, and then um, and then we can take it from there as well. Yeah, because just something that you, you touched on there, uh, Graham, and it's, it's always an interesting one in terms of making sure you get good rugby players. So the recruitment comes in there as well. Um, and is it is it on a fine line in terms of how you go about recruiting or is it sort of like, you know, we've got to do what we've got to do. Let's just get out there and, and go and get the players. Because um, there's also a certain talent pool that you can draw from. But in the same way, like I said, you guys have also got to focus on academics. So how do you sort of find the balance there, Graham? Yeah, I mean, I think you go to, you know, we try and create contacts with the, with the feeder schools in the area, mm. um, you know, and, and just chat to people there and find out who the, who the players are coming through the system, um, you know, things like that. You know, but as you say, it's, it's tricky. Um, mm. You know, we're an English-speaking school with a high academic uh, standards. So... You know, we've got to, we've got a, only a fairly small group of uh, people we can chat to and try and, you know, from a rugby point of view. So it's not a huge, not a huge part of what we're about, but obviously, you know, as I said, you'll probably touch on it later, but I suppose in the league we're in, if you want to remain competitive, you have to have, um, you know, fairly good players to compete. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's talk about it then because it, it's so interesting. You know, there's so many good schools, as everyone knows, in South Africa. Um, but the league here is so competitive. There's just so many, you know, you actually only use, need like five hands to count the amount of good rugby playing schools in the Western Cape. Would you consider it the strongest league in the country at the moment? Everyone says it's, uh, you know, the sort of cliche is that it's the strongest league in the world. I mean, I suppose there's no way of quantifying that really. I mean, yeah. um, you know, uh, you know, I think we like to say it, I suppose, just to make ourselves feel good here in the Western Cape. But, but probably, you know, no, as I said, no one really knows. But, yeah. um, you know, I think when you've got the likes of, you know, Paul Jim and Paul Boys and Paul Russ that you've got to play against every year, um, you know, and... A double round of games that we have in the Premier League here against Rondebosch, Bishop Weinberg, and this plus another game against Portland Lampa. So you're, you know, for us we've got ten games a season, which are, are massive fixtures. So it does it does make life difficult. And then you you throw in now the you know the the improving schools like Stellenberg, Durmville, mm. who've uh, put big effort into their rugby, even Brockenfell. Um, Paul Fallet, you know, schools like that in the area, you're trying very hard uh, to uplift their rugby and, and uh, be competitive, very competitive Premier B schools. So it's, yeah, it's, it's becoming, not becoming, it is a, it is a difficult league to participate mm. in. And there's no respite, you know, you, you don't get uh, time off, it's sort of uh, thir- 12 to 13 league games in a season and, and none of them can be taken lightly. And it's, it's tough when you, you know, when you're a school like ours where, you know, you don't play a squad system, for example, you get your best 15 players on the field and you're expecting them to front up, you know, it's Paul Jim and then it's uh, Bernard Lampo and then it's Bishop and then it's Rondebosch and then it's uh, Paul Boys High and, it, you know, the, the hits just sort of keep on coming. So it's, mm. it's a, lot of, a lot of toll on the boys, on their bodies and you, you throw in the, the festivals in between, the you know, three, five, three games in five days at the Easter Festival or something like that. And, and it's uh, a lot of, um, a lot of toll on the boys' bodies and that it becomes, 
but almost a, a sort of a, a war of attrition, as it were, trying to keep your best 15 players on the field. <laughs> yeah, so you got your work cut out for you, Graham, because yeah, um, everyone wants to win, but in the same breath, yeah. you're trying to look at the longevity of these guys as well. So yeah, it's, it's yeah, and I think you're trying to make them enjoy the, you know, you want to make yeah. an enjoyable experience for them. Mm. Um, you know, I think you you trying to it is school where rugby. You want them to enjoy themselves, mm. but at the same time, it's as I said, it's a very competitive environment. Um, plus, you know, you want them to enjoy their rugby, so they carry on playing rugby after school and develop a real love for the game. So it's a it's, it's a tricky one um, in the context of, of of where we are. Yeah. No, well. Because that thing as well as Graham is that you know, like you said, you know, you've pretty much missed out two years now of, of first team rugby. You feel sorry for the guys, but does it change your, your training at all in, in terms of let's hope 2022 comes ahead with a, a season? But I don't know, do you just keep doing the same sort of training program or have you had to sort of change things up a bit? I'm no real sports scientist. Um, you know, I think from our point of view, we we're going, you know, I suppose it's the, the, the difficult thing is that, you know, boys have almost, as you say, effectively almost missed not two years of rugby. So from a, if you're under 13 and your next time you're going to play is maybe under 16 virtually, you've missed under 14, under 15. And it's, it's quite a big jump physically, mm. you know. So, yeah, I suppose you just got to, what you're always trying to do, you know, from a sort of competing with its, with its box mart point of view, you've got to make sure if you're going to be playing against Paul Jim or a Paul Boys and those sorts of schools, and you got guys from the southern suburbs, you have Cape Town English-speaking guys. You, you got to prepare them properly to go into those games. You know, so mm. you can't throw a guy into a, a match against a Paul Jim or a Paul Boys if he's not, he hasn't got the right, you know, body makeup and he's not physically prepared to do it because then he's probably going to get hurt. You know, so yeah, I think that it's quite a big uh, onus on us to to make sure, particularly when the guys get into under 16 and then the senior divisions that they are, you know, physically prepared um, to, to, to go into contact against those, those sorts of guys. Um, so, yeah, I think we obviously we, we try and do that every year, but I think it's probably going to be even more of a focus now and just that the guys have missed so much. You know, I think those are a lot of your formative years, your growing years, um, and, you know, the, the hits and knocks that you take on the rugby field, the training that you do on a rugby field, week in, week out, helps to develop your body. So we probably are going to have to take some cognizance of that going forward, yeah. Yeah. And it's almost like you have to do pretty much a retrial, you know, because you've got your idea of, of who's coming in. You're looking at your prospects for 2022. But now, like you said, without any hits and guys actually playing, um, do you have to start looking at prospects and maybe have a, another look again to make sure you've actually got the, the desired result that you're looking for in terms of your prospects? Uh, I mean, it's, you know, I think we go, it, it, it sort of evolves every year. You, you know, you have, it's, a, it's a fairly long pre-season, so we say nowadays the, you know, it's, the season ends at the end of August and you give the guys a few weeks off and then they they start again, end of September, early October with gym work and some skills work. And so it's a, it's a continual process over the, the off-season, October, November, early December, January, February, as you're building up to the season, yeah, seeing who develops, who puts their hands up, how they develop physically in the gym, how they develop on the field in terms of their skills, and it's a it's a, it's a sort of it's a changing um, dynamic all the time. You know, some guys 
some guys come through that process and flourish, others sort of um, not so much. And then you've, in other schools like ours, you've got guys who out of the system as well, playing cricket or playing water polo, you don't see much of in the off-season. And then they might come back into the picture and, and really, you know, you've, you haven't really got them on your radar because you're not seeing much of them, but then they, they start playing and they flourish. So it's, uh, as I said, so it's an evolving environment and you continually, you know, you know your pool of players are that you're looking at and you're watching them throughout the off-season, how they develop, how they evolve, who trains well, um, who looks hungry, who doesn't. You know. mm. And boys being boys, it can be frustrating. You know, you think one oak's putting his hand up and then <laughs> he gets lazy and then another puts his hands up. And it's quite, but I suppose that's just the nature of what you're dealing with in schoolboys. Yeah. No, definitely, definitely. Well, Graham, let, let, let's put the focus a, a bit on you now. Um, but how do you, and it's always a tough, I think it's a tough job to do what you do, but someone's got to do it. But how do you handle that expectation as, as head of rugby? Is, is it, I'm sure there is a bit of expectation. If I may ask, how do you handle that pressure? Uh, I, I must say, I've never really felt uh, too much pressure. I mean, uh, as I've been here a long time. Uh, I coached the first team for six years as well. I never really um, felt uh, too much pressure here to, to succeed, not to succeed, but you know, obviously you're always trying to do your best, and all you can really do is uh, you know take the you know take the boys. It's it's a, it's a school environment, so. You know the, the the boys come and go, and uh, you know some years you have good a good crop of players, others not so good. Um, and I think you just got to trust that you you do whatever you can to give the boys the best uh, um, chance to succeed. And if on a Saturday that you know that you've prepared them well enough and uh, given them the best chance to succeed, and you and you can when they, when they cross the white line on a Saturday morning to go into the field, and you're comfortable that you've coached them well, they're well prepared. No, there's not much more you can do. So, mm. you know, I don't think, you know, obviously there's, you know, there are, you do get the odd comment here and there, but, um, <laughs> you know, generally, generally I think the teams that we put out are reasonably well coached and they, mm. you know, you can, on the field you can see that they've been prepared, they know what they're doing and, uh, you know, people are reasonably happy with that. You know, I've had the odd year, year and there where there have been a few ups and downs, but generally, um I think we've done we've we've done reasonably well with what we've got and uh, and haven't had too much kickback, shall we say? No, oh, good, Graham. That's great to hear. But yeah, it's 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 a tough job, but it's you guys I think are doing a really great job because, like you said, the league that you're in is very competitive. So to handle everything that's thrown at you, it's it's really good. Well done. But let's look at the, the bigger picture because obviously, like I said, it, it is only schoolboy rugby and. You know, there's only a small percentage of guys that really take rugby that much more further to try and turn it into a profession. But you guys have done a good job. And there's a good number of guys that are still playing rugby at varsity level. Uh, another example is the Bulls player, Cabello McQuena. Um, And that's something that you guys focus on as well. It's like the sort of the bigger picture of the players beyond school. Yeah, as I said, it's not, it's not something we, I mean, I would say, as I said earlier, it's more about the enjoyment and, and mm. hope, helping the guys enjoy their rugby so they're, develop a love for the game and carry on playing after school. Um, you know, you, um, it's not something, you know, I don't, we don't really coach to try and get guys in the Craven Week team, for example, or anything like that. Obviously, if it happens, it, it's nice for the boys, nice for the school. Um, but generally, we're just trying to, as I said, make sure week in, week out, we put a, a team on the field that's competitive and uh, mm. can can hopefully win games in this in this league. 
Uh, but yeah, it's nice at the moment. I think, as you mentioned, I think um, Cabela McKenna was, he was matric 2017. He was on the bench for the Bulls on the weekend against Western Province. Uh, in, in the Varsity Cup now, we had uh, David Hayes started the final. Rias Fredericks was on the wing as well. And uh, I Gazi at fullback. So three players in, in the back line that started the final. Plus one other, Durant Kufut, who got game time mm. along the way in the tournament. So, um, you know, Jordan Chites at the, at the Sharks. He's our flyer from 2015. Chris Smith started for the Bulls in uh, Italy on the weekend. He was our flyer in, in 2012. Okay. Um, so and also at the Sharks, our captain from 2017, or Lucky Dlep, who is sort of the third or fourth choice scrum off there at the Bulls. So I'm sorry, at the Sharks. So we've got quite a few guys in the system at the moment, um, which is lovely to see. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's nice to when you when you've coached guys and helped develop them along the way to see them coming through and performing on the best stage on the on the, on the top stage. Yeah, I think probably yeah, Chris Smith's probably the one now who's Stands out the most. I mean, he's understudied in Mornay Stain. He got a full game, I think, on uh, on Saturday mm. in that unfortunate defeat. But um, a guy has really yeah, worked his way through. You know, he did Marty's, took Marty's to the Varsity Cup, went to the Pumas, won the, I mean, the Super Sport Challenge, I think it was, with them. The Pumas then got picked up with the Bulls. Uh, you know, Jordan Chart, the year after that, after Chris Smith won the Varsity Cup with the Marty's, Jordan Chad was the Flav as well. So we're two years in a row, we had the Flavs there for the Varsity Cup winning side. And then David Hayes this year played the final. So, yeah, that's, that's lovely to see guys coming through the system um, and, and showing that Sachs is producing quality players. Yeah, well, they must have had a very good experience at school. So obviously there's a love for the game that's been instilled in them and that they're carrying it through. So it's, again, good on you guys. Well done. Thanks, Brilliant. man. Yeah. But... Um, as we are sort of moving towards 2022, um, are there any goals or ambitions that you would like to perhaps share with us? Well, like, what are you sort of looking for, saying that the season's going to go ahead? For next year, I mean, I think our, our overall, and our goal really is in this area, I suppose, is to try and be the best school in the, you know, I think there are four, as you know, there are four boys' schools fairly close together here in the southern suburbs. Um you know, I think if we can be the best of those schools, the one that boys want to come to for a good rugby experience, and that is uh, getting the best results out of those schools, you know, then we'll be when we're doing something right. Because so, as you said, it's, a, it's a, in all the sports, whether it's you know water polo, cricket, hockey, rugby, uh, the four boys schools there, yeah, we all of a similar size, all with similar boys. Um, you know, so if we are the most competitive in any or the top of the pile in any of those sports, um, we're in a really good place because all of those, all the schools, the four boys' schools are brilliant schools. So, um, you know, I think our, our sort of short-term goal would, would be to to get back to being the, the top school in the southern suburbs, the, the top school in terms of where boys want to come to to further their rugby. And then with that will come, you know, being the top school results-wise, whether it's first team or across the board. I think we we pride ourselves at the moment. I think we've got we've got by far the not by far, but the most rugby teams of all the of the four schools. So a lot of a lot of boys playing rugby, which is great. Um, and now we just got to um, you know get that playing power into um, competitive power, particularly across the A teams and all the way up to the first team. Yeah. Uh, excellent. 
Well, Graham, it's 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 good that it sounds like you guys are well. Sax is in very good hands, so keep keep it that way. Um, <laughs> but a, a quick one: where does the nickname Holler come from? Oh gosh, it's a it's a long story. It goes right back to I mean, I actually went to Rondebosch. It goes right back to my school days in matric. Um, it's a fairly long story, but it started out as a Hollander. Um, some another parent who didn't know my name and sort of I don't know. He was angry with me for something and uh, started shouting after me, Hollander, Hollander, and that got shortened to. And so it's stuck ever since uh, matric, which is 35 years ago now. And so, yeah, it's, it's uh, been a name that stuck with me right from matric right through varsity, through all my um, years here at Sachs as well. So it's yeah, it's a long-term thing. Um, but, yeah, it's sort of stuck with me now. But it's it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear that, Graham. It's excellent. Yeah. Well, Graham, thanks for your time. Really nice to hear about your your rugby program and how you guys are doing there. And yeah, it's unfortunate we couldn't watch more schoolboy rugby because it's such a, an attraction for many people in South Africa, but wishing you well, hoping all your plans go according to plan, especially for the upcoming season. Let's stay positive and let it, let it happen. But yeah, Graham, thanks so much for your time. It's been really good to chat to you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we're hoping that this third wave can pass and we can maybe get some rugby in, but it's started to look more and more unlikely that we're going to get yeah. to play. But uh, they still talk of they still want to have us. Uh, they talk of having Craven Week in uh, in October holidays. Yeah. So you know, maybe there still will be some rugby, some trials, mm. something like that to look forward to. But uh, I think, unfortunately, most of the boys there's not going to be much left, uh, which is sad. But uh, we keep we keep hoping, we keep fighting and planning, and uh, you know, hopefully, it'll all be over quite soon. Thanks, yeah. man. Thanks for your time, Ron. I appreciate it. Yeah. You're a legend, dude. Thanks so much for your time. Right. No, okay. Thanks, sir. I'll let you know when the chat, right? Like I do. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, man. Bye-bye.